Hey there, folks. Here we are, episode 87 of Tell the Damn Story. Uh, I'm soloing this time around, and I want to start out by apologizing uh, because um, normally Chris and I launch this bad boy about uh, you know early part of our day here on the East Coast. But uh, I was away this weekend at the East Coast Black Age of Comics convention, and this was, I believe, their 18th year. And it's a wonderful event um, in Philadelphia. I've been a part of it and going and meeting up with great people, fans, and so forth. Oh, boy, I don't know, about uh, 12 years, I think. Yeah, yeah. It started out with um, um, the folks were inspired by the Black Age of Comics, uh, Turtel Only uh, founder there in Chicago years and years and years and years ago, um, way beyond 18. And they were, you know, as I said, members who went to that were inspired, and Turtel did, you know, did what he still does, which is is create a show that focuses on uh, the works, comic book works, and graphic novel works, and artistry of African American artists in particular, but people of color in general. And um, here on uh, in the New York area, in the Philadelphia area, uh, other artists gathered to, you know, again, eighteen years ago to make an event that was um, uh, inspired by, but it's sort of a, an offshoot of that. And that's why we got East Coast, right? And uh, since then, you know, not only has this event grown, but also the uh, the awareness and the desire to have more events that feature the works of people of color, although everybody is invited to attend and discover this artistry, the books, the stories, the the people. And so anyway, there I was um, at this event. Uh, Friday night was the Glyph Awards, which is uh, an award I've received a, a couple of times. I've been uh, most fortunate to have my book, Blackjack, uh, receive uh, two awards from them. But also my work um, for Archie uh, in the form of the series, uh, actually the graphic novel, even though it was a, it's a miniseries initially, but the graphic novel, um, the Cartoon Life of Chuck Clayton, which is an Archie character that I did the first miniseries for. Uh, gave him a lot of background. So, you know, I enjoyed working on that and um, received an award, a Glyph Award for that as well a few years back. But anyway, I, I say I apologize because um got back in the city Sunday and, you know, quite tired, thrilled, inspired, happy, uh, and, and also a little sad. Um, but I needed to rest, get myself together. And, of course, it's late night now. It's still late night Sunday, but it's late night, and Chris and and others ha- are, you know, <laughs> doing what they need to do in preparation for tomorrow, and here I am. So I thought I would, um, this might be a shorter episode than you're used to, but I thought I would share some insight uh, from the event, but also uh, more so to the point some creative artist insight, some reality, and some uh, hopefully inspiring thoughts and encouraging thoughts that I felt and saw uh, this weekend. First, um, let me say that the, the sadness of, of, of the event and, and what I'm carrying right now is many of you know that, you know, as Chris and I talk about creating comics, creating uh, screenplays, creating novels, all of the different types of projects we've worked on, but also many others have and the people we've interviewed, 
we talk about what it's like to independently go out there and try and establish your career and try and share your work and be hired as well as publish and promote your own creations. And there's a, there's a sort of pioneer feel to that. There's a, uh, an excitement, a joy, especially when, when you get your work done, whether it's a book or a comic or a film or whatever, and you get it out there to the public and you see, you know, positive feedback. You even sometimes, you know, a little pushback, but bottom line, you're out there. You're, you're in the mix. You, you've created something out of nothing. And you've, and you've set it out there, and people are reacting to it, and there's a rush from that. Those of us who, who do it, you know, as sort of a hobby or a side hustle or whatever, you know, we still get that rush, and we still enjoy the process, and we still struggle with the challenges. But those of us who do it as a passion, as a career, or certainly as, as a business that we are struggling quite hard to develop and build and hopefully one day uh, reap the reward of being able to to sustain ourselves and our families from our creative work. For those of us, um, it's a long road. Uh, if you start out very young, that's that's cool because, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the young are full of enthusiasm and uh, a sense of immortality and and a drive that says, you know, I'm going to make it happen even if nobody else believes in me. And that's all necessary. That's all healthy. And at the same time, there are the other sides of it. There are the, you know, the struggles that go on and on and on. Because whatever you're producing isn't uh, cosmopolitan chic or the flavor of the month. Or you don't have the budget to push it the way some of the big dogs do or some of the the more um, well-funded organizations or individuals do. Uh, Maybe your skill set is not what's being considered by the general public as hot at that point. And so people like your work, but it's not the first or second thought that they run out there to to purchase. And and, and then there's again, you know, again, the, the reality that you're creating something that isn't perceived as mainstream yet or isn't conceived as as mainstream ever because it's unique in its own right it has its own niche its own fan base it's its own uh particular identity that a certain group of folks are attracted to but not necessarily the masses okay and those are realities that you know we all face when we're creating something out of out of nothing when we're creating something new and something that maybe goes against the grain or goes against, as I said, the established uh, norm or pop culture um, marketplace at the time. And I mention that because your passion, your commitment to this is what determines how long you stick with it. What are you willing to do to keep it going? What are you willing to do and surrender and sacrifice in order to get your work out there, to tell your stories, to reach that audience base that is maybe starving for an image that looks like them or starving for stories that resonate with them and that the mainstream isn't quite satisfying. What sacrifices do you make? 
And do you even see them that way? One of the artists that I've known for a long time, many, many years, and I won't mention his name because I didn't uh, have an opportunity to speak with his family and make sure that it was okay to do that, but I will say that he is known in the independent marketplace, and he has created at least three to four titles that I'm aware of over the years, and one in particular that, um, especially for some 12 years that I know of, uh, was well-known among the entrepreneurial, independent comic book marketplace. And he was a man who, I mean, he was always kind-hearted and always uh, soft-spoken, uh, eager to talk to the fans and the potential customers, black, white, it didn't matter, um, proud of what he did, um, offering to guide or help others, hardworking. And he's the kind of person that you were used to seeing at these events. I mean, he was always going to be there. That's, that's just enormous. Like you get up, you, you inhale air, you go to these events, you see him. And um, this is May 19th, by the way. And April 20th, um, my kids' Comic-Con, the event that I do for kids and family, uh, took place. And I was expecting this gentleman and his comics and so forth to be there. And about three days before the event, uh, he called, and he was very sick, and he apologized for not being able to make it, and he was so, you know, so sorry. And I said, you know, no, no, don't be ridiculous. You know, get better. Uh, he'd, he'd had um, some surgery, and it was, it was serious. And they, the doctors basically told him, you need rest. You, you need to take care of yourself. You need to pull back on all that, you know, rushing around and doing multiple things and all that. Just take care of yourself. And I said, they're right. Your family's right. Do what you need to do. See you next time. Not a problem. And, in fact, I'll see you at the East Coast Black Age of Comics convention in May. That was April 17th. Just a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's two weeks now, uh, we got the word that he passed. And, you know, no one's immortal except in comic books, you know, everybody comes back at some point. But as an artist myself, you know, as a, a publisher of comics and, and, and other books, and as a performer, as basically a creative artist who's lived by his creative wits for all these years and who has struggled uh, to get projects out there and dealt with challenges and disappointments and so forth, I stopped you know, on the day I got the news. And I took the day off to think, to reassess what I'm doing and how I've done it and why I've done it, and to think about him and to think about the fact that he was supposed to be there, not only at KCC, but also at Ekbach, East Coast. You know, he was, you expected him to be there. You expected his new books to come out. You expected this and you expected that. And suddenly, he wasn't. There's this thunder in the background. I don't know if you can hear that, but uh, it's funny to have that little rumble go as I made that comment. Or maybe he's agreeing with me and telling me, you know, come on, move it on, move it, move it along, move it along. You know, don't make this a somber evening. Um, as I said, he wasn't. And at the uh, convention I was at this weekend at East Coast, um, 
many people took a moment to acknowledge him and to thank him for all those things that I mentioned earlier, the work that he did, the kindness that he showed, the fact that he was a gentleman and a, and a good soul for many, many years to many of us. Uh, we took that moment to recognize him and to wish his family well and let them know that we're there for them. And then I you know, looked at his work again and thought, who's going to carry on with this? And that question is there. You know, it's it's not like the Muppets, you know, Jim passes on, Jim Henson passes on, and there's a whole legacy and there's a, a, a business and all that to carry on, people to carry, carry that forward. Uh, it's not like some of the creations that you probably enjoy out there. And I thought, you know, this is, this is sad. But then it also occurred to me that, yeah, I could linger on that his work may stop here, but it may not. There are some artists he's worked with, and, and they may carry it on. His family may carry it on. But if it does stop here, he was proud of it. He did his best. He put out his best work. As I said, he helped others. And if nothing else happens with that going forward, he could stand tall next to it while he was here, and the rest of us who knew him will carry the memory forward. And I thought that's, that's a comforting thought, that's a celebrational thought. And how do I feel about my work, and how do I feel about the work Chris is doing, and the work that many of you out there are doing, some of you I know, and I thought, you know, let us, let us look at that. What do we do for our art? What do we sacrifice? What are we willing to sacrifice? What does it mean to us? I did a panel at that convention, that same convention this weekend, a number of people sitting there in the auditorium. And, you know, you, you talk about the projects you've done. I did it with uh, uh, Jiba, um, another artist, and we shared our experiences writing, publishing, uh, doing work for other people, you know, hired, being hired as freelancers or entrepreneurs, uh, you know, um, the different types of clients we've encountered and, and what's inspired us. We shared all of that. And then we had Q&A and people asked uh, the questions that we would expect. And one, one young lady apologized for asking her question, saying, you know, I know it's, you probably heard this a thousand times. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, don't be sorry. Because you're supposed to ask these questions, you know. You're coming to this fresh, naturally. And we talked about, you know, where our ideas come from, um, what challenges we've run into, some of which we didn't overcome and some we did. Uh, how do we keep fresh? How do we keep ideas coming and going? How do we face deadlines? How do we do so many other things? And one of the questions that came to me, not actually during the panel, but some of the uh, audience members came to my table afterwards. And one of the questions was, you know, Mr. Simmons, you had, you'd mentioned that we can always walk away from an assignment or, you know, if the price isn't right or if there's something uh, ethical about it or whatever that we don't, we don't want to do. And he said, but what if you need the money? What if despite whatever you may feel about it, you know, you got bills to pay, you know, what do you do? And I remember sharing with him, I said, you know, we all, make decisions as to what we sacrifice, what we'll walk away from, what we will and won't do. I said, that's, that's on every one of us every single time. 
and it depends on what you you use as your yardstick. If you want to say that all of the work that I create comes from the heart, it's I'm passionate about it. I'm trying to say something with my stories, with the characters I create. I'm trying to address a human issue or a social issue or a racial issue or religious issue, or I'm just trying to entertain. I'm trying to lighten the load on society. I'm trying to educate or entertain children. You know, whatever your goal is, how important is that to you? How do you measure success or failure, if you want to look at it that way? And what are you willing to give up to be able to do that? And what are you not? So if you're coming at it from, it's about me, the artist and creator and, 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 and the person that I am, how do I measure do or don't? That's a very personal time, a very personal decision. And your, your ethical, moral, creative yardstick is what you will use, and it's sometimes different, different for each one of us. Um, but I said, if you're talking totally professionally, you know, it's it's about a job and it's about money, getting paid to take care of bills or take care of my family or move my career forward. Maybe it's a, a an easier decision for you. Maybe it's harder. Maybe if you're just going to be totally business about it and say it's a paycheck. You know, do you judge yourself for that? A couple of, of quick references that I shared was, you know, there was a time when um, my character, Blackjack, um, for those of you who have not read the series, is an African-American soldier of fortune in the 1930s. And I mentioned that because there's, there's not a lot of cleavage and stuff like that in there. There's not a lot of uh, a cursing and stuff like that. There's action. There's, there's some violence. Um, but the, and it's no super-powered individuals. So to some degree, the mainstream marketplace has these these sort of tropes and things that work really well. Heck, I went to see Avengers Endgame you know, and enjoyed it. But there's certain things I don't have in my storylines that are quick sells, easy sells. And so for years, there were people who looked at the series, liked it. Hollywood knocked on the door a few times and wanted to do something with it, but then they wanted to change it. And certain changes, I just said, no, that's my line in the sand. And, you know, you think about it. Wow, I'd love to have a movie done. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to be, you know, have merchandising out there. It's going to be real great. And, and, and have money that pays the bills and allows me to relax a bit and travel and whatever else. You know, create more projects, you know, all of that. But you have to say to yourself, you know, at the same time, what am I not willing to do for the money? And in my case... I wasn't willing to take my character Aaron Day, a.k.a. Blackjack, and bring him out of the 1930s into present day so it was easier on the budget or whatever. was not willing to do that because he needed to be in the past to, A, really make the statement that people of color, black people in particular in this scenario, did a number of remarkable things in history. And a lot of that is ignored, passed over, not shared, not passed down. And here was my opportunity to create a fictional character who touched on moments in history where reality can come into the story and I can bring some of those other exciting moments and events and conquests and discoveries to light. And I could also, as a person who grew up watching a lot of 
stereotypical representations of other people of color or nationalities or cultures, I could also try and be more genuine with them. So to me, that was a line that I would not allow to uh, have others cross or rub out. Blackjack, Aaron Day stays in the past. And, you know, a couple of times the deal went, but I made that decision. So sometimes you have to, you make that call for yourself based on, again, who you are and what you're, what you're focused on. So I use that as a reference, and there was a couple of other uh, examples. But again, you know, you look at the fact that as you struggle to maintain whatever that line is, that ethical code or moral code or creative code, that you also have to face the realities of life. You know, can you pay the bills? Can you do this? Can you do that? Another thing that I found myself uh, wrestling with uh, in terms of, you know, creatively is when I created Blackjack, when I created Aaron Day, he had a family. I, I created a family, mother, father, and an older sister. And I always wanted to tell some stories about the older sister. And I understand that, especially when I created this series back in the 90s, um, you know, the guys were, you know, that was that was like one of the the uh, the norms of comics is a lot of male heroes, some females, but predominantly it was male heroes. And I felt, yeah, I have my male hero. I have Aaron, but he is very much so tied to his family, those that are still with him and and those that have passed on. And to me, that was also a part of the story, not just a story. But the story and the character's background was important. So I wanted to do some stories with his sister. And I started out with a couple little just she made appearances in certain stories to remind him, hey, you know, you got family here. I can still kick your butt. I don't care how tough you are. And I so I popped her into a story here or there. But I could I had difficulty getting momentum going to create a series of tales about her. Uh, a, there was a lack of interest, you know. Across the board, male and female, few females, yes, but in terms of the marketplace, no. And there was also, you know, I was struggling to get him established, his series established as well. So there were time constraints. So I knew, okay, this is not something I could work on for a long period of time. But it stayed with me. And and another thing I'll share is that in the storyline, I had, you know, I guess I have to sort of explain this, his his father was one of those uh, mercenaries uh, in the early uh, 1900s, you know, uh, a black man who came from the United States, fought in World War I, uh, fought in Cuba, you know, uh, became an expatriate, realizing that, you know, I go back to the United States, what have I got waiting for me in terms of job opportunities? I can be a railroad porter, I can be, you know, maybe a barber, or I can, you know, uh, um, I can you know, work uh, carrying bags and stuff like that, shining shoes. A lot of the, the major opportunities for him to move forward and up and make a good living for his family were, were, were not existing at that time, not in existence because of the racism in, in, in that particular era. But he found that in this particular position of being out of the country and being willing to fight in other people's wars and so on, he could get paid, he could make money, he could send that back to his wife and children in the States. And he did that. And as I like to tell the story, you know, his wife, Sarah, says, you know, that's, that's nice. You're sending us money. You're taking care of us in that respect. But our children don't know their father. And this is not a marriage here with you thousands of miles away. So 
this is not happening. <laughs> she said, we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come over there. We're going to travel with you. And wherever you're battling and whatever the wars are fighting that you're doing, we're going to be safely in a village or a city somewhere miles away so that when you finish what you're doing, you can come back to us and we can at least have that kind of time together. And being a very smart man, um, Matthew, you know, the, the husband said, yes, dear. And so that's what happened. And, you know, for blacks to travel in those days, actually to travel, period. It was not like you hop on a jet and fly there. So bottom line, they had to make their way over to Europe and then slowly connect with him. And then began the odyssey of, of some 10 years of them traveling around and do, and living that nomadic kind of life. And Aaron, my, my character, Blackjack, you know, the son, growing up alongside his sister, having these wild experiences in different countries, seeing his father coming back periodically from these battles and things, you know, so maybe wounded, so, but basically, you know, a warrior kind of character. He wants to grow up to be like his dad, and he does. He grows up to become a soldier of fortune and very successful at it, except um, he decides to make the United States his, his base of operation. He comes back here, and his sister comes back too, and she moves to the South. And I didn't know why I had her do that because I'm going back to her. Her name is Mary. Didn't know why. Why do I have a black woman come back to the United States in the 1930s, a young black woman, and she moves South? I just knew that's what she did. It was in my head. It was the way the story came out. But I didn't know why. And so as I said earlier, I worked on, you know, building up Aaron and building up the series and doing a number of books. And, you know, Chris, you, you guys, you know, you know, Chris, my partner on this, Chris uh, jumped on board from day one uh, to help sometimes with, with the PR and stuff. He wrote one of the first uh, comic strip series. You can hear my dogs in the background now. They're getting all excited. Yes, they, no, they don't read comics. They're getting excited about something else. But um, Chris was a part of the, uh, the, 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 the trail, the journey of um, creating the books and getting out there. And you know, we're talking a number of years of creating these books with Aaron Day, a.k.a. Blackjack. And I kept trying to go back to, to do more with Mary. I'd pop her into a story here or there, but again, not the full series, and subsequently also not really understanding, why did I have her go south? And then what happened was recently, I was working on a story, a short story about her, because, you know, I kept turning out these stories. I was writing them, and it suddenly came to me, Why? And for those of you who write, you know, who create stories, um, or who as actors create characters to perform, you'll understand this especially. It was almost like she explained to me who she was and why she had made that choice. And I suddenly, I'm not going to tell you why, by the way, because I got a book coming out with some short stories about her. It's coming out at the end of this month. It's called The Day Chronicles. The Secret Life of Mary Day. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you why, but hopefully when the book comes out, you guys will reach out there and start, you'll read these stories and you'll get back to me and let me know what you think and all that. But anyway, as I had this revelation about her, you know, I got so excited and I said, okay, that's it. I, you know, I've, I've managed somehow to stay interested in and wanting to do these tales about her, but never getting it done. That's it. I make the commitment now. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen this month. Uh, well, at the time I was saying this was a couple of months ago, 
but either way, it's going to happen, you know, before the summer. And I sacrificed a few things to make that happen. And I'm putting it out there at a time when I haven't built up some huge audience base waiting just for this book, but I don't care because it's important to me. And it's always been important to me to do a story about her or to do a series of stories about her, not just because she's my character, but because in my heart and in my head, she represents the strong women that I have known. My mother raised me without my father. My grandmother was in that picture. These are two very strong, in particular, black women who, in the earliest of my life, showed me that, you know, you roll up your sleeves and you do what you got to do to make it day to day and to take care of your family and to raise a son that you feel you'll be proud of. You know, I certainly hope that I've honored their memories. But again, they were in my life. Some of the friends that I've had over the years who've shown me that there are strong women in this world who have done many things other than raise a family. They have invented things, discovered things, run uh, you know, Fortune 500 businesses, uh, created remarkable characters and events. And to not, as, as the artist that I am, to not represent that doesn't sit well with me. So yes, I'm going to make some minor adjustments in my life and my finances to make sure that this book happens. And that, again, tied me back into what I was saying about this other artist and what he went through to get his books out there, and which made me then think about the bigger question. What are we willing to do? What must we do to get our art out there? What are we willing to sacrifice? I think it's necessary that we ask that. I think it's necessary that we look at that. And I'm not saying that you guys have to, like, you know, give up the farm, you know, run yourself into debt, uh, do anything that's destructive to you or your family or your friends. You, you, may, you may fumble the ball. You may, you may wind up in debt. You may wind up in some uncomfortable situations or relationships, you know, in terms of business or otherwise, because of your commitment to your art, to creating these stories to making these things happen, to answering a call within you. You may do that, and then you have to take responsibility for that and hopefully fix it if you can, and if you can't, you live with that. But it's a good question to ask. It's okay to do the art projects that you do just for the love of it. It's a side thing you do. It's something you do for yourself. It's okay. That's not a problem at all. But if you're looking at this as a business, something that you want to eventually sustain you, then you've got to strategize. You've got to look at it not through rose-colored glasses, but head-on, clear-eyed. Understand that there will be hard times if you're fortunate, maybe you won't run into too many. But there's lots of us out there, and that means the odds are not in our favor not to have challenges. And challenges make you better in a lot of ways. That was one of the questions that came up during the panel. If you could do it differently, go back in time, what would you change, or how would, would you live the same life? Would you do the same things? They asked Jeeba that, and they asked myself, and I, I remember both of us separately, you know, we thought for a moment and then we shared our answers and both of us 
said pretty much the same thing. Yeah, we would love to have had more money in our life to make certain things easier for us, less stress on this and that level. But in reality, the things we face growing up made us the people that we are. They helped to shape and mold the kind of stories we tell, the, the, the morals, the ethics, the code we live by. The fact that we have fans or we have people who, who, who enjoy our work. The fact that I've traveled to other countries and, and given master classes and so forth. All of these are a direct product, a direct result of what I went through growing up. So honestly, as much as I might like a couple of things back there to have been easier, to have maybe done something better for my mom or some of these other you know, hiccups and screw-ups that I, that I experienced. Maybe, yeah, you wish, I wish I hadn't done that. But overall, no. No, I'm, I'm glad I came up the way I did. And I'm going to keep trying to be better and do better and create better stories and, you know, create better moments in my life. But I don't want to be a different person. And so that rolls me back to um, some of the things that, are coming up over the next few months. You know, I like I mentioned earlier that I just we just had an April twentieth my kids Comic Con event. Thirteen years of doing a family, um, uh, a kids and family event for I get I think at this point we can actually say thousands of people. I feel good about that. I think all of the the heck <laughs> for the for the kiddies who might be listening to this, uh, all the problems, all the challenges, all the hell. There you go. That that I went through, or that we went through, the you know the people that volunteered and helped me make that possible. I think in a lot of ways it was worth it. I think that everything I've gone through to try and get Blackjack out as a as a comic book, and then as graphic novels, and then as short stories, um, hard, hard, difficult, but in a lot of ways absolutely worth it. I've met some great people. I have some great friends based on it. I've seen some remarkable things. So I feel, yeah, those those sacrifices were worth it. Uh, I had an opportunity recently to work on a book called Black Panther Psychology. It's a series of books that have been done about certain comic book characters uh, and the psychology behind them, the, the psychological effect these characters have on the fans and, 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 and readers, um, how they represent society, all of that. I had an opportunity to write something for it and to co-edit the book with a gentleman named Travis Langley. And that book's coming out in just a couple of weeks, coming out in June, and we'll be at the San Diego Comic-Con to do a panel on it and all that. That's pretty exciting for me, because if you told me 20 years ago I'd be doing anything about the Black Panther or on the Black Panther, I would have gone, nah, I don't know that. I don't know about that. You know, my friend Don McGregor wrote some of the stories. I helped him with a couple little things in terms of research and all that. But, you know, overall, I, I don't know about that. But that's coming out. That's exciting. You know, some of the other books that I've worked on are, are coming out over the next few months, and that's exciting. So I guess overall, being an artist, being creative, there's so many things that can happen that can just illuminate that path and, and make you feel, yeah, this was all worth it. And there are things that will happen that will hurt. And you'll gain friends and fans, and you'll lose friends, and possibly family along the way. And I would just like you to think about that. 
Think about what you're willing to do for your art. Think about what your art can do for others. And then make those choices. Make those hard decisions. I, for one, think that it's worth it. And I hope that for all of you who make that decision, I hope it goes as well for you as it possibly can. And I wish you a great deal of success on that level. And the last thing I'll say in terms of personally is... Tell the people that you admire, that inspire you, that you love, tell them to their face. Or write them a letter, send them a card, send them many cards, but tell them while they're here. Because once they're gone, sounds nice at a eulogy, but they need to know, they deserve to know that they mattered and that they helped and that they made a difference in your life. So share those thoughts and feelings willingly and as often as you possibly can. And you can even do it through your art. And most assuredly, that's how I try to tell the damn story. Chris, miss you. And um, again, sorry that I got in so late, but we'll be back here next time. Everybody, you know, absolutely, as we like to say, almost at the end of every episode, let us know what you think. You know, in this case, let me know what you think, you know, about anything that I've said, uh, any questions that you have, and um, be here next time. Thanks. Take care.